Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analysing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. And today we're looking at chapter 11 of 365 Days. So where we left off, she decided that she loved him. So even though he said that she can go move back to Poland, she went back to Sicily and she's just waiting for him to come home, I guess. He repaved the driveway and she sees on the, maybe the Polish news or the translated Italian news. Either way, she sees that the head of the Sicilian mafia has been shot. So the news doesn't actually name him, but I guess there's only one head of the Sicilian Mafia. And what does she do? She falls to the floor unconscious because that's just what she does. And then we start this chapter with a whole section in italics. (laughs) And I'm really not quite sure why it's written in italics. She says, I opened my eyes. The sun illuminated so brightly that I could barely see. You know, she finds out that she's connected to an IV tube and she's thinking, what the hell? And it's like, you already talk in the first person. I don't know why we've got to be italicized here. Like it's a dream sequence, but it's not a dream sequence. It's happening. And she's taking a look around and she says, all the equipment around me suggested I was in a hospital. Yep. IV tubes do tend to suggest that. And then she realizes that Massimo's dead and her heart starts racing. So all the devices around her go beep, 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 beep. And so a doctor and a nurse and Domenico come rushing in. And then the door opens again and there's Massimo. So he's alive. I'm glad she really held the tension of that moment for a whole single page. Cliffhanger ending. He's dead. Next page. He was fine. He's right there. So Massimo falls to his knees next to her and he's snuggling her face being like, I'm sorry. And she's like crying tears of happiness, she says. And the doctor's like, hey, we had to do a carotid revascularization, whatever the hell that is. The state you were in was a threat to your life. We've had to insert a tube into your body. So she's got this tube inside her body, which allows them to clear out her artery. And then the doctor says, despite your perfect knowledge of English, without walking you through all the specialist medical jargon, I wouldn't be able to explain the procedure in detail. But I don't think that it's strictly necessary. What matters is that we've made it. And she's not even listening to his words because her eyes are fixed on Massimo. She says, nothing else mattered. He was here alive and well, exclamation mark. But I'm thinking, doctor, surely you can sit her down and go through the specialist medical jargon. Like maybe it's worth it. She's, she's had a full on surgery. 
And the doctor's just like, meh, I don't think it's really necessary to tell you what's going on, but it is what it is. And she's like, don't care, Massimo's alive. So then we cut out of the italicized section. And I, I, I don't know, we're back in the present or something. What, what was this italicized moment that she was trying to deliver to us? I don't know. But it's someone saying, can you hear me, Laura? Don't do this to me or he'll kill me. And she opens her eyes. She's on a rug. So I guess she's fainted again. And they must be home by now. And she says, what happened? And he says, oh, you lost consciousness again. It's good I had the pills in the drawer. So yep, Dr. Domenico is just doping her up as he wishes. What are these magic pills doing that the the giant surgery with the tube in her chest couldn't have done? What are these magic pills? And she's saying, where's Massimo? I want to see Massimo. And Domenico's like, I can't. I don't know what happened, but something went terribly wrong. And he says, remember, Laura, the media doesn't tell the whole story, but you have to go back to Poland today. These are Massimo's orders. The car is already waiting. You have your apartment ready in Warsaw and an account in the Virgin Islands. Okay, but Massimo was just with her. Or was it a dream? Maybe it was in italics because it was a dream. No, it can't have been a dream because she knows that he's alive and he's admitting that she's alive. So Massimo did come back for a short spell. And now he must have gone again. And he must have provided no excuse for, for his faking of a death. What about Domenico blaming it on the media? The media doesn't tell the whole story. Well, either does Massimo, apparently. And then she's saying, is he alive? Tell me, Domenico, or I'll lose it. Okay, so it's a dream sequence. Uh, I mean, she just, she just had a bedside hospital reunion with him. But... but and then Domenico says he's moving, that's for sure. Mario, his consigliere, is with him. So there's a chance he's alive. What do you mean there's a chance he's alive? You just, you just ran into him. He came back to Sicily. Okay. So perhaps he's gone back to Sicily, but now he's, he's on the move again because someone's chasing him. Maybe there's some sort of thing. I don't know. Maybe it's Marek, the scuba instructor. Maybe Marek, the scuba instructor, is hunting him down. It's all very unclear. Oh my God. And so then she's like, well, can they be dead? And he says, Don Massimo has a transmitter implanted into the inside of his left hand. A small chip, just like yours, he said, touching my left bicep. We know where he is at all times. So Domenico knows that his chip is moving around, but he doesn't know if he's alive. So you'd think if you had that chip technology, you'd maybe also like put in a heart rate monitor or something just to report back to base, but no, so they know if he's moving around, but a small chip just like, so they put a transmitter into her body against her will. I mean, it's bad enough that she thought it was just a contraception pill against her will, but it's actually tracking her as well. What the? So then she's fiddling with the little bar in her arm and she says, so what is this then? A contraceptive implant or a transmitter? And Domenico doesn't reply. He only sighed heavily and pushed himself to his feet, pulling me with him. So Domenico's like, nah, I'm not getting into it. He just sighs and doesn't reply. Yeah, I think he pretty much just spilled the beans that they stuck you with a tracker. The audacity of the Sicilian mafia to be doing this to people. Domenico's like, come on, we gotta go. The less you know, the better, Laura. Why? Who's after them? What's going on? What's going on? I feel... So out of the loop, I'm turning back the pages thinking, did I miss a chapter? No, I didn't. But there's this 
there's this italicized dream sequence slash reality moment with an unhelpful doctor. And now we're, we're on the run. Are we on the run? Who's chasing him? Who's chasing her? Why does she need to go to Warsaw? And so, and then she's thinking about all the things she'd heard. And she says, despite the fury I was feeling, I was grateful to Massimo for taking care of everything. Taking care of, what, what, what do you mean? Like by putting a tracker in your arm and opening up a bank account in the Virgin Islands? Like, yeah, that's kind of nice. But what do you mean taking care of everything? He got you into this mess. What? There'd be nothing to take care of if he hadn't have kidnapped you in the first place. Then she's getting sad because she's thinking she'll never see him again. But the black thoughts soon lost the battle with hope. And I felt sure that he was alive. The black thoughts lost the battle with hope. What a, what a weird sentence that is. So then she's like, oh, well, I'll probably be back here one day. And so she just hops on the plane. And she said the flight was short, even with the transfer in Milan. I don't know if it was the pills the young Italian had given me or the apathy I descended into, but my fear of flying had vanished. Wow, what a, what a character shift. She was distraught being on a plane just a couple of chapters ago. And now she's like, mm, uh, I don't know if it's the heart medication I've been given. Because <laughs> it's heart medication. It's not anti-anxiety medication. She's like, oh, the heart medication really mellowed me out. So then when she gets out of the terminal at the airport, there's a man holding a card with her name on it. She's like, I'm Laura Beale. And she's saying in English out of habit. I was like, well, you're just living in Italy, but yeah, okay, talk English. And then he says, oh, hi, my name's Sebastian, back in Polish. And she grimaces at the language because she says a couple of weeks ago, I would have given everything to be able to talk in Polish with anyone. And now it only reminded me where I was and what had happened. What had happened? Could you let me know what had happened? We don't know shit. What do we, what do we know? We know the media said he's dead. And then we know that she fainted and had a major surgery, a major heart operation. I don't know what the recovery time was like. I don't know how much time has passed. I don't know if she needs to get stitches out or a follow-up appointment with her doctor. And then I guess weeks later, it must be weeks later because she just had this major operation. It must be weeks later. Domenico's like, you gotta go. And Massimo's on the move. We don't know if he's alive because the tracker doesn't track his health, but we do know that he's on the move. On the move where? Who knows? We don't know anything. And here she is thinking back about all the trauma. Tell us, tell us what it is. So then she's in a car driving away from the airport. She winds the window down to, you know, stick her face out like she's a dog and just breathes in the Polish air and she feels like shit. And so they're driving from the airport towards the center of town. And she's thinking, oh God, not downtown, dot, dot, dot. And then she feels relieved when they turn toward the district of Mokotau. And I was like, you're the one that rented this apartment. Remember last chapter? She rented an apartment over the internet. So why is she acting like, oh, I wonder where this apartment will be? Bitch, you rented it. It's not a lucky dip surprise here. You did the rental. So then the car parks next to a low apartment building and the driver opens the door for her and hands her some luggage. And so she rummages through the luggage and finds an envelope labeled home and inside there's keys and an address. How'd she get these keys? How did she get these keys? Did the rental website that she was using ship the home keys to Sicily? Because it's sort of saying by it being in her luggage that she, she transported the keys to her new apartment from Sicily. I don't, I don't know how that happened. Oh, and so her, 
her apartment has a reception desk. So she enters and there's a young man waiting for her and she goes, hi, I'm Laura Beale. And he says, oh, welcome, glad you've arrived. Your apartment's ready. It's on the fourth floor, fifth door on the left. And he says, would you like me to help you with the bags? And she says, no, thanks. The driver will manage. <laughs> so, so not her. She's like, I'm not carrying shit upstairs. The driver will do it. Okay. And, okay. I feel like Blanca is gaslighting me here because she says she enters the apartment and the first thing she noticed was a beautiful living room with windows spanning all the way to the next floor. Everything was dark and modern. I could feel Massimo's hand in the decor. What, what do you mean? What do you mean? You rented this place. You should know what it looks like. Didn't you look at pictures when you rented it online? How, how did Massimo have anything to do with this? It must be a different place. It must be a different place. But if so, isn't it a waste of money to, to also be renting a separate apartment in Warsaw? What's going on? Why does she have to be in Poland? Who's hunting Massimo down? What's going on? So then she's describing the place as if it's the first time she's ever seen it, because I guess it's a different apartment than what she booked. You know, there's a huge TV screen, some ugly furniture, a fluffy rug, a fireplace in the bedroom, because of course there is. And she says, a modern bed with LED lighting. It looked as if it was levitating. That's fun, but also a bit much. LED lighting on a bed, like, hello. So then she's sitting down on the rug, watching the news and opening up all the other envelopes she's been given. So there's like credit cards, documents, information. I mean, it's not like she's trying to hide her identity. She's been at the airport being like, I'm Laura Beale. And just downstairs at reception, she's like, hi, I'm Laura Beale. She's not being subtle that she's not going under a false name. So I don't know what all the hullabaloo is about. And she says one of the envelopes had a car key with three letters on it, BMW. And she says, to my surprise, I discovered that I was actually the owner of both the apartment and the car. So what did you rent last chapter? I mean, am I harping on this? But also don't write that you've rented an apartment in Warsaw and then just completely drop it. Why did you have to bring that up at all, Blanca? And then she also found out that she has a seven digit bank account. And she's thinking, what do I want with all this money when he's not with me anyway? She says, the way I felt now, I should have paid him for all the wonderful moments. All the wonderful moments. Okay, so yeah, the terrace in Venice. That, that, was, that was kind of a wonderful moment. What else was wonderful? What else was wonderful? I mean, maybe, maybe the masquerade ball slash film festival when they were dancing together. That could be described as a wonderful moment. I mean, I know... Shortly afterwards, his ex-girlfriend threatened to kill her life. Oh, maybe it's the ex-girlfriend hunting Massimo down. I don't know. But, okay, so that's, that's not really a wonderful moment. What other wonderful moments have there been? There was, uh, let's see, there was the sexual assault. Uh, he killed a guy. Um, there was the pole dancing routine that ended in an amputation, forced on a plane against her will, groped in a Victoria's Secret changing room. Sex with the prostitute while she was handcuffed to the bed. Um, what else? All the wonderful moments. Um, so she's getting restless. So she's like, I'm going for a drive. So she goes down to the garage. She finds her SUV and then she drives out of the garage looking for the exit. God, just so much detail in that. And then she says, I knew Warsaw pretty well and I like to drive around it. Okay, so she's going for a drive. And then an hour later, she stopped by the house of her best friend, whom she hadn't talked to for weeks. Her best friend, 
her best friend. She's now coming up with with a best friend that we've not met or heard of for the past 300 pages. She's got a best friend. Okay. Nice to meet this new character. And so at the bottom of the building, she's just tapping in the entrance code, going upstairs and then like knocking on the door to her apartment. I was like, okay, you couldn't have given her a bit more of a heads up. I mean, you haven't talked to this person in weeks. And it must be a fair amount of time because again, you're recovering from heart surgery. Okay, so we're finally getting introduced to this character. She says, we had been friends since we were five. She was like a sister to me. Still no name yet. Still no name, not a clue. Uh, she was a hot brunette with an attractively curvy body. All right, what's, what's her name? Um, men loved her. Okay, but, okay but, but who is she? I don't know if it was because of her vulgarity, her promiscuity, or maybe her perfect face. Also, we know she's promiscuous, but we don't know her name. Oh, okay, here we go. Olga. She's Olga. She's a beautiful woman with an exotic charm. Okay, so I guess we know everything about her. She's half Armenian and her Eastern genes gave her sharp facial features and an olive hue to her skin. Okay, I feel like we're pretty well briefed on Olga. Oh, wait, no. If you think you know Olga by now, take a deep breath because you are about to hear about Olga. So Olga had never worked. Okay. Seems interesting. She liked to make maximum use of the effect she had on men. So she's a whore. Is that what, is that what she's trying to tell us that she's a whore? No, she's not a whore. She, she makes this out. She says, always a proponent of breaking stereotypes, especially those saying that a woman with many partners is a whore. She had a peculiar deal with men. She gave them what they wanted and they gave her money in return. She was not a hooker. She gave them what they wanted and in return they gave her money, but she's not a whore or a hooker. Uh, it sort of sounds like she is. I think that she might be. She says most of her partners were deeply in love with her, but she didn't know what love was and she didn't want to change that either. So Laura has a very big insight into who Olga is as a person. My gosh. Uh, (laughs) Maybe too much of an insight. She says, Olga was currently seeing an influential man. How do you know you haven't spoken to her for weeks? You haven't spoken to her for weeks? You've been living in Sicily for like six months or so by now. So she's dating this influential owner of a big cosmetics company and he doesn't have any time for a serious relationship. So she accompanies him to parties and dinners and massages his head when he's tired. And on the other hand, he provides her with all the luxuries and comforts she could think of. Surely they're fucking. I don't think Olga's not fucking these guys. I think Olga's tricking Laura by being like, yeah, I'm not a mistress. I just hang out with them in return for all of these gifts and favors. Uh, No, I think Olga... You're sleeping with him and you're not telling Laura because you don't want Laura to know how much of a whore you are. Again, no shame in sex work. Sex work is real work, but I just think, like, own it. Own it, Olga. Don't be pissing on my leg and telling me it's raining, Olga. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? 
United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. So she opens the door and Olga says, fuck me, exclamation, Laura, exclamation. And <laughs> let me read this. Fuck me, exclamation, Laura, exclamation, Olga exclaimed. Ugh. You don't have to use two exclamation marks and then say you're exclaiming. Oh, God. She says, I'll kill you one of these days. I thought somebody kidnapped you. <laughs> well, I mean, Olga, uh, y- you're really on the money here. And so Laura's like, oh, I'm sorry. I had to dot, dot, dot. And her eyes are tearing up. And Olga's like, somehow I feel you could use a drink. And so then they're sitting on her rug with a bottle of wine between us. Lots of sitting on a rug in this chapter. This is like the fourth instance of someone sitting on a rug. I mean, she's described these places as having chairs in great detail. She told us the exact type of lounge it is, but we're always sitting on a rug. Very odd. Is this a Polish thing to just sit on the rug? And so then Olga's like, yeah, Martin came to see me. He was asking about you and he told me what happened, that you left him a note and that you left him, blah, blah, blah. And she says, I wanted to call you, but I was sure you'd do it yourself as soon as you wanted to talk. So these, these besties, known each other since they were five, she doesn't even try to contact Laura when Laura makes this huge life decision. She's like, meh. You'll come to me when you want to come to me. She didn't even, she didn't even send a text. Not even a text. And she's saying, fuck me, Laura. I thought you were kidnapped, she explained. Well, I mean, you clearly didn't alert anybody. Olga, you're a bad friend. She was genuinely kidnapped. And you were no fucking help. She could have made the whole 365 days being kidnapped and then you wouldn't have even blinked, Olga. You would have been like, meh, it is what it is. So Laura's like, I just had enough of all that ignorance. Besides, I fell in love. I know how that sounds, so I don't want to talk about it. I need to get my shit together. 
So she she didn't really tell Olga anything. And Olga's like, oh, all right. So how was it? Do you have a place to live? Do you need anything? And she says, I'm renting a place from a guy I know, a large apartment. But he had to leave in a hurry and needed to leave it to someone he trusted. Sure. Sure. Uh, What's going on? And she says, cool, that's settled then. How about work? Oh, is it settled, Olga? Is it? Because I've got a lot of questions that I wish you'd be asking. So then she says to Olga, hey, can I stay the night because I don't want to drink and drive? And Olga bursts out laughing and is like, ha sure. And so then she says, we sat and talked about the events of the last month late into the night. The last month? It's only been a month? As if. As if. And Olga's like, all right, well, tell me about him. I'm dying over here. And she says, flashes of all the times I'd spent with Massimo whirled through my head. Yeah, like all three times. She says, how I saw him naked for the first time, our shopping spree and the moments on his yacht, our dance at the banquet and that last night after which he disappeared. As I recalled earlier in this episode, they really only have a couple of moments. (laughs) And they're all sandwiched between the terrible violence and trauma that he delivered her. And she's like, imagine your typical male who can't suffer any disobedience and always knows what he wants. Uh, That sounds awful. She says, then add in a protector and a guardian with whom you always feel like a little girl. Very weird. And she says, and finally, mix in the fulfillment of all your sexual fantasies. And she says, and if that's not enough, so it wasn't finally because she's still going. She says, and if that wasn't enough, he's six foot three, has not an ounce of fat on him, looks like a sculpture made by God himself. Small ass, huge shoulders, wide chest. <laughs> Small ass. She's obsessed with a tiny ass. She said this the other chapter. She loves a small ass. What a weird detail to fixate on. And Olga's like, well, what does he feel about you? And she says, hmm, well, we need time to think this through. Nothing simple with him. He's from a wealthy Sicilian family, all traditional, and they don't normally approve of relationships with outsiders. What the, where is this coming from? He's never said anything about needing approval for a relationship with an outsider. Also, he's the head of the family because his parents are dead. And he's the head of the Sicilian mafia. So I don't, I don't know where this is coming from, Laura. Are you just trying to like throw Olga off the scent? They don't normally approve of relationships with outsiders. Everybody helped him kidnap you. So then Laura's like, I don't want to talk about the man in black anymore. Each memory hurt because I knew we might not see each other again. Why not? Can somebody fill a bitch in? What's going on? And then she says, let's go to sleep. I need to go to my parents tomorrow. Okay, you probably should have done that earlier. They haven't seen you in, I guess, a month. It feels like it's longer than a month because of the whole heart surgery thing, but I guess it's a month. And Olga's like, all right, but come out with me on Saturday. It'll be fun. We'll spend a day at a spa and go to town in the evening. Party, party, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. And Laura's just the partiest pooper that's ever pooped because she says, it's Monday today, you know, but all right. Let's have it your way. I'm reserving the weekend for you. Who, when they get invited to do something on Saturday says, it's Monday. (laughs) Like, okay, that's irrelevant to the, to the planning that we're making, but sure. Tell me that it's Monday Garfield. And that's the end of the chapter. I feel like that's a short one. Do you want to do a double? Let's do a double because I think the next one's pretty short as well. Okay. So chapter 12, it's the drive to her parents' house. And she says, 
I decided not to upset mum anymore and just go with the lie Massimo had come up with. Can we, can we know what this lie is? So she gets to her parents' place and her dad's like, you vanish for a month and return in a car like that? How much do they pay you back there? And she's like, oh, it's a company car. And I was like, is this really the reunion that we're expecting? Just no other questions, just questions about the car. Okay. And then her mum's like, Jesus, you're so thin. And then she looks around and there's her mum on the veranda and she's breathtaking. She's impeccably dressed, wearing full makeup. And she says, like always, I was nothing like her. You're always wearing makeup as well because it's tattooed on your face. And because everyone in this book is a sex kitten, her mum has a body that 20 year olds would kill for. And so her and her mum hug and she's like, she's my fallout shelter. I knew she'd protect me from the world. Despite her overprotectiveness, she was my best friend. Oh, sorry, Olga. We just met Olga and already we're forgetting about Olga. Poor Olga. And her mum's like, I told you that trip wasn't a good idea. You're crying again. Why are you crying? And she says, I couldn't tell her. I didn't really know. How do you not know? You've been through an ordeal, love. Oh my God. And then her mum says, you keep crying like that. Your eyes will swell up and you'd have to cry all over again tomorrow when you see yourself in the mirror. Because looks are the most important thing in the world. And then she says, did you take your pills? We don't want any drama around here. Like if she only knew the drama around this bitch not taking her pills. If she only knew. Still no explanation on, on why she needs the pills in the first place. Or why she needed the, the surgery last chapter. We don't know what this heart condition is. We know more about Olga's sex life than we know about her heart condition. Also, I loved how she was like, Olga doesn't work a day in her life, but here she is attending all these events with people and massaging their heads for money. Like, that feels like working. Like, I know, I know I'm not on this chapter anymore, but I'm still so frustrated by that Olga description. It was the most ridiculous character introduction I've ever read. Uh, Sorry, back to this chapter at hand. So her dad goes to make them some tea. And while he does that, they sat down in soft recliners in the garden. Soft recliners in the garden. So like a recliner is like a, an armchair, like a lazy boy, like lounge room furniture. And it's in a garden. They've got recliners outside on, in the garden. That doesn't seem weather safe. So a mum lights up a cigarette and is like, well, tell me what the hell's been going on. And she's sighing and she's like, oh, mum, I told you I had to fly a bit for my work in Sicily. I needed to get back to Italy and it took longer than I expected, but now I'm in Poland until the end of September. The company has branches here. I have Italian lessons in Warsaw. So so don't worry, I won't run off. The company cares for me. Excuse me, what the hell are you talking about? And to anybody with half a brain, you could tell that she's lying because none of it makes sense. But her mum's like, all right, you've made me a bit calmer. Now tell me how it was. And so then she tells her parents about Sicily, not skipping the geographical details. Not, not skipping. Okay, great. I'm glad you're talking about like the volcanic rock formations and the lake and shit. Why do we care if you skip on the geographical details or not? And of course you're going to highlight the geographical details because you're not exactly going to say how you've been kidnapped and you saw him shoot someone and cut off someone's hands. Like, yeah, okay, I guess you would talk a bit more about Mount Etna than about how you kept getting fucked on a boat. And she says they talked for hours 
until she was too tired to continue and then she went to bed. So I'm guessing she didn't bring up Massimo at all. Her parents should have asked. There's only so long you can talk about the geographical details. She says the next few days, mum took it as her ultimate goal to fatten me up a bit. She cooked and we drank gallons of wine. Okay, what else is new, Laura? So then she says that she's been going for jogs along the forest. And she says the whole time I had the feeling of being watched. I would stop and look around, but never saw anyone. And it's like, well, yeah, is it that far-fetched to think that you're being watched? I mean, you knew that Massimo had some goons watching your parents' house. That was the threat to keep you in Sicily. So like, yeah, I mean, is it that unreasonable to think that maybe they're still looking out? So on Friday afternoon, she drives back to Warsaw. She catches up with Olga because Olga needs to go to the shops and pick up a new pair of shoes. And so she goes to pick up Olga and Olga's like, woohoo, look at this car. How about that? And she's like, oh, came with the apartment. And Olga's like, woohoo, I'd love to see this apartment. And she says, oh, come the fuck on. It's a regular apartment and the car's just a car. And she says her reaction got on my nerves. Like, okay, calm down, irrational. Any other normal person would love for their friend to compliment their new car. But she's like, come the fuck on. Oh God, I hate Laura. She says, what pissed me off even more was that I couldn't tell her the truth. She knew I was lying and I knew I was making a fool of myself, ignoring the keenness of her intellect, the keenness of her intellect. Remember, this is a woman that's never worked a day in her life. Her job is just to not have sex with rich men. Maybe she is smarter than everyone. That does. Okay. It it does sound like a good gig. She's a sugar baby without having to give up any sugar. Maybe she is the smartest person in this whole book, in the whole of Poland. Maybe. And then Laura tries to change the subject. So she's like, hey, remember how we lived in that studio at Brodno? And Olga's laughing, being like, oh yeah, that crazy lady downstairs always accused us of having orgies. And Laura's like, well, that wasn't entirely unfounded, you know. And so they laugh about how they used to have orgies. I wonder what Blanca's life is like. I mean, do you know how, like, in high school or, like, at uni, like, it was always the boys who talked about having sex the most that never had sex? And I just think, Blanca, is your life really an orgy? What's your life like to have written this? I'm I'm really curious about you, Blanca. And so, <laughs> this, is, this is wild. So Olga says, I might have moaned a bit loudly once or twice. And Laura's like, yeah, I remember once I got home earlier than you thought and it sounded like someone was torturing you. And she says, oh, right. The little brat that fucked me back then was pretty rough, but his dad had a dentistry clinic. And I'm thinking, what the hell's that got to do with the price of salmon? (laughs) What's that expression? (laughs) What's that got to do with the price of fish? Um, what, What is that expression? Okay, I Googled it and it's, what's that got to do with the price of fish? I was close. I was close thinking it was salmon. Anyway, so his dad had a dentistry clinic and she says, and you got all the dental checkups for free. So, okay, I get it. Olga is the smartest person in this book. Seeing a dentist is expensive. I went to the dentist the other day and I've got health fund cover and it still costs hundreds of dollars just for them to redo some fillings. Hundreds of dollars. And they're always like, you should probably think about braces. And I'm always like, no, because it's, it's a cash cow. The dentist is expensive. So maybe I need to bang someone whose dad is a dentist. 
And then she says, for the rest of the way, our conversation focused entirely on Olga's rich sexual life. Now, you just told us that Olga didn't sleep with her clients. You just told us that. Olga doesn't sleep with them. She's not a whore. You said that, and now she's got this rich sexual life. Okay, so yeah, she could be sleeping with other people, but who's got the time? Well, I guess she does have the time because she doesn't work a traditional job. Uh, Olga is always keeping me guessing. What a... What an interesting new character. So they go shopping. She says she bought lots of stuff. She spent hours and hours at the shops and it all improved her mood because she loves shopping. And then they were loading up the car and then she hears a voice say, new ride. And she turns around and it's Martin's best friend. And she says, hi, Michalich. What's up? And she gives him a kiss on the cheek, like being very cash. And Michalich's like, you tell me. Why, why did you leave us like that? Martin nearly dropped dead. He was so afraid for you. And she's like, yeah, believe me. I know all about just how afraid he was fucking that Sicilian girl. And Michaela is like, uh, and she says, what? You thought I didn't know? He fucked her on my birthday. The fuck? And Michaela is like, he was drunk. And she slams the door on his face. So not quite the, the confrontation I was expecting. But also Laura being like, you thought I didn't know. Well, like, yeah, how, how would you have known? How would you have known? And Olga says, well, now he's going to know you're back. Nice. Love that kind of drama. Classic Olga. I love Olga. New fan favorite. And Laura's like, well, I don't like drama, especially when it concerns me. So you're going to come stay with me, okay? And Olga's like, all right. And so Olga loves the apartment. And she's like, Whoa-hoo-hoo. what a good deal you've gotten here, Laura. Oh my God. And so then she's like, all right, well, let me show you the terrace. And so she takes her up to the terrace. <sighs> and what has it got? A jacuzzi. Every location in this book has a jacuzzi. I'm surprised the private jet they were on earlier didn't have a jacuzzi. There's so many jacuzzis in this book. It's ridiculous. And Olga's like, all right, come on. What did you do for him to get that? Admit it, I know it's not your style, but somehow I never got a crib with a roof terrace for fucking anyone. Well, okay, Olga, remember, you don't, you don't have sex with them. So maybe if you did, you would get a jacuzzi terrace, but apparently you don't. And so even having Olga around, she still can't stop thinking about Massimo. So she calls Domenico a few times and she says she likes listening to his voice because it reminded her of the man in black. I don't know how, because Domenico's accent has been described as being completely different to, to Massimo's. Remember, Massimo sounds British and Domenico sounds like a young Italian, even though they're brothers. But okay, she says she liked listening to his voice, reminded her of the man in black, and that's the end of chapter 12. So it was a pretty short, pissy chapter. I'm glad we lumped those two together, but I've talked enough now. So bye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations, and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch, and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.